Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Davidson, the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chambers of Commerce. Chuck, good afternoon. That would be Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, though. Hal. What did I say? Did I say Winnipeg, Winnipeg again? I keep forgetting I, you're I, way bigger than I, I, I keep forgetting you're way bigger than that Remillard guy I, over there. He I, just I, handles exactly. Winnipeg. You do the whole so province. Much more from you, Hal. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I've done that to you now twice. I apologize. It's just uh, habit because I have I have written right here, Manitoba. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to this again. I apologize. The president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, Chuck Davidson. Retail, I appreciate I... that, Richard Cloutier. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, <laughs> uh, I deserve that. Um, so I've been chatting about a story I was reading, mostly out of the states, about how retailers are getting a jump on holiday shopping. Are we seeing that uh, here locally as well in the province, uh, Chuck? I don't know that we're seeing that just yet, but it wouldn't be something that would be too surprising. Uh, I think what we've seen as of sort of post-COVID is the retail has rebounded a little bit in terms of the numbers are where they would have been pre-COVID. And I think the reality, and I think we're seeing this as, as well, is that more and more people seem to have a little bit more disposable cash. And I'm not suggesting that everyone does, but I think some of the things that people typically would have been spending money on, whether it be on holidays, whether it be on Jets tickets, whether it be on concert tickets, they've got money in their pockets, right? And so they're spending that money. And so I think that's something that a lot of retailers are going to start looking at saying, okay, we know we're coming up to what would traditionally be some very busy shopping times, which would be, you know, sort of the Black Friday in Manitoba, as well as, you know, obviously uh, the Christmas season as well. So getting in front of that is going to be something that's important. So I think a lot of retailers are going to be taking that approach to make sure that they've got you know, the, the the proper things in place to be able to, uh, you know, deal with what customers are looking for. And what we know they're looking for right now, they're looking for online opportunities. So, you know, making sure that if you're a small retailer, that you've got sort of an online presence as well, and you can do that, uh, you know, sort of those transactions that way as well. And and, and making sure that, again, that you, in, in order to rebuild that consumer confidence, which we know is key to this, that you're taking all those necessary precautions, that you are a safe place to do business, you're taking all those necessary protocols, uh, whether it's masks and hand sanitizer and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of businesses are obviously taking those precautions because they recognize how, you know, how fragile the economy is right now and that there's a real opportunity uh, heading into a very busy season to have a strong potential retail season. You know, you mentioned online and, and we've been talking about this for a few years now, the importance of even local retailers with a door that people can walk through needing to be online. That is now more important than ever, isn't it? Well, I think that's the one thing that's come out through through the whole COVID situation from a business standpoint, that you have to have an online presence. You have to have web presence, uh, whether it's, you know, you're a restaurant or you're a retailer, or if you don't have an ability for uh, your customers to be able to check out your product or to be able to order your product through that vehicle, uh, you're at a disadvantage with everybody else. So the days of, you know, everyone coming into your place of business to do their shopping, um, I, I think are changed. And I think they're changed forever as a result of this. So this is something that that we're strongly encouraging all of our members to make sure that you're working towards having that online presence, that you're putting those those pieces in place so that, you know, in the event, and we don't want to get to that point again where we have to shut businesses down, they still have the ability to uh, to operate with an online presence. So we think that it's more important now than ever. 
as you know, I'm a real entrepreneurial guy. Uh, listen, I love doing radio. It's a creative career. I enjoy it. But I've always had business interests on the side. And I, I wonder, you know, two things, and I'll get to this in a, in, more on this in a second. Uh, business people in this province and in this city have blown me away the way they have pivoted. I know a lot of people hate that word now, but the way they have pivoted to try and increase their business during a pandemic. I'll get to that in a, in a second. Uh, but what has really impressed me um, as well is, uh, the, and here's my other question. Uh, let me, I'm pivoting now. My other question is um, uh, with uh, businesses, um, that uh, have been getting attention. We focused a lot on restaurants, and and listen, we love the restaurants. Have we focused too much on restaurants and forgot about other areas uh, in business that that are also having a difficult time, Chuck? Well, I think when you look at it, it's the industries that are having the most challenging time. And, and there's no question it has been the hospitality. And we've seen this in any kind of surveying that we've done and having discussions with our members that we know it's hospitality, we know it's tourism, uh, that these are the industries that are being challenged the most. Um, you know, I, I think retail uh, early on was, but I think it's been able to rebound. I think when you look at a number of other sectors, whether it be agriculture, manufacturing, all of those other sectors, they've been able to weather the storm for the most part. But it's really that service sector that's been challenged the most. Those industries that are reliant on people actually coming into your place of business uh, mm-hmm. as part of what that transaction is going to look like, those are the ones that are having the most challenge. And again, when you move to Code Orange here in Manitoba, the first industries uh, that have been impacted as a result of that, again, are those industries in terms of reducing hours and uh, and, are, and are really not able to operate at 100% capacity yet. And, and, and it won't be for quite some time. So I think it's important that we you know, as we're as we're looking at how we can support these, you know, what we've been suggesting to to the various levels of government is, is it really needs to be sector specific. Look, we don't need across the board programs for everybody anymore because most sectors have have been able to pivot, as you say, and have been able to manage going forward. But it's a lot more difficult when you're uh, when you're in the hospitality sector to make that pivot when you're you're really dependent on on customers coming into your place of business. And I got to keep it short, 30 seconds from you on this, but just an example of how uh, business, and in this case it is restaurants, but how business has said, all right, we've got a pandemic, things have changed, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, several years ago, there were a few places that would offer complete turkey dinners for Thanksgiving, right? There are several now. These restaurants have said, we're going to do turkey and ham dinners if that's what it takes, damn it, in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm also always blown away by how business reacts to adversity. Yeah, and exactly to your point, I think that's a perfect example of what businesses are doing. And what we're really strongly encouraging as well is for people to, you know, to, to shop local, to take advantage of those opportunities, to, to support those mom and pops in those these challenging times when you've got a little bit of disposable cash and you can afford to do that, you know, once a week, go out and do that. When you can support your local business at the corner store or whatever it's going to be, support them. You know, the Amazons and the Walmarts and the Costco's, they're going to be fine. It's those smaller businesses that really need your support this time of year. Chuck Davidson, President and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. I apologize for doing that to you twice. Here's the deal. I'm going to follow you around one entire day from at least uh, two meters away. I'm going to follow you around with a bullhorn. And every time you walk in a room, Chuck Davidson, I'm going to go in ahead of you, and I will introduce you on my bullhorn. Ladies and gentlemen, hear ye, hear ye, Chuck Davidson, President and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. But here's the problem with that, Hal. When I'm when I'm doing that with the 34th greatest Canadian of all time, <laughs> yes. everyone's going to be paying attention to you and not to <laughs> well, stop you. Well, listen, I can't do anything about that. Yeah, I know. All I can do is try and make it right. So the vice presidential candidates 
Uh, Harris and Pence will debate tonight. And uh, about an hour ago now, maybe a bit more than an hour ago, I chatted with Peter Mayer at CBS about the debate and got a full preview from him. Hello, Hal. Well, uh, tonight's vice presidential debate might be a debate that matters between vice presidential candidates for the first time in a long time. I think, Hal, this is probably the most important U.S. vice presidential debate in history. I go back only to 1980 covering these things. Uh, A lot of times they're sort of an afterthought, a political sideshow to the main event between the two presidential candidates. But with all that's going on here with the pandemic and the ages of these two men, you have uh, 74-year-old ailing Donald Trump and 77-year-old Joe Biden So the idea that we have here in the U.S. of the vice president being a heartbeat away from the Oval Office at the White House really is underscored in this debate between Mike Pence, the incumbent vice president, and Senator Kamala Harris of California. And it could really be a good debate because Pence, we've seen in the past, is a pretty good debater. And then, of course, Kamala Harris did well in the Democratic primary debate, so it might be a good one. Yeah, you know, I, I as a purist, <laughs> a political purist, hope for a, uh, a really good classic debate tonight. I don't think that Mike Pence is going to be the uh, interrupter that Donald Trump was in the face-off with Joe Biden that made so much news and so many headlines worldwide. Right. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be, um, I, I would hesitate to say reasoned debate, because I think it is really going to be sh- sharp uh, and there, there will be some verbal punches thrown. And as Americans watch, uh, it is a real clear choice, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Um, Mike Pence is uh, definitely a very strong conservative on every issue, uh, from abortion to you name it. And uh, Kamala Harris is just the opposite on the liberal end of the political spectrum here. But, you know, I think the pandemic is going to be one of the overriding issues, if not the overriding issue. It's something that hits home to everyone. And, of course, Mike Pence uh, will be on the defensive because uh, he is the head of the president's coronavirus task force. And earlier this year, he predicted on a conservative talk show that uh, it would probably ease up later in the year. He never said that it would go away the way Donald Trump did, but uh, he did raise some high hopes for it. And, of course, sadly, that hasn't played out with uh, more than 212,000 U.S. citizens dead from this terrible, terrible uh, virus. Well, and let's talk about the pandemic in the room. It will be in the not literally in the room, but it will be in the room in the sense that they're going to be 12 feet apart, right? They're going to be seated, and there will be a divider between them, a clear divider. That's right. Um, We hope that the pandemic won't be in the room. There's still a debate here as to whether it was in the room uh, in the body of of Donald Trump when he faced off against uh, Joe Biden in the in the first presidential debate. But yes, each of the candidates tonight will have a tall uh, at the top, sort of a circular shaped uh, semicircle of plexiglass at uh, Pence's desk and at Kamala Harris's desk. I'm not sure why, Hal, but uh, Vice President Pence and and his people uh, objected to this idea going into this, but we have the U.S. Presidential Debate Commission, and they're the ones who run the show, and now we're told that, uh, you know, once the Pence people 
had a walkthrough last night. They said, okay, we'll be okay with the plexiglass. Well, and I guess everybody in the audience as well will have to be wearing a mask or they will be escorted out, right? That is what uh, we've been told, and that is the, the rule of the debate commission. That was the rule of the commission last week, and yeah. the highly esteemed Cleveland Clinic uh, was one of the hosts, and they tried to give masks to Donald Trump's family, including his wife and his uh, children, his grown children, and they all refused. But they're saying that tonight in Utah, at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, that they'll be very strict about it and uh, with good reason. I think it's going to be a good one tonight, Peter. Thanks a lot for the preview. So great to be with you, Hal. Thanks for inviting me. Gather round the radio as we bring you now our weekly Wednesday segment, Cam's Creepy Corner. Ladies and gentlemen, Producer Cam Poitras. Cam, uh, do you mind if I take 30 seconds of your feature here for, for just a moment? <laughs> you, you may. It is your show, by the way. Is it really? Yeah, okay. I think so. Gee, boy, that puts a lot more pressure on me, actually. <laughs> Thanks for that, Cam. Uh, I, people are asking, because I said I would have this word, so I want to get this out of the way. We were talking at the start of the show today about Ouija boards, and this ghost hunter, his name is Paul Marsters. He is upset because apparently some stores are selling Ouija boards um, as toys, Halloween toys, and you know, and, and they've been around as toys for years. So I don't know why this guy's so wound up. But anyhow, he says that if the Ouija board, if you do, he suggests don't mess with a Ouija board. But if you do mess with a Ouija board, he says if it spells out the word Zeus, Z-E-U-S, that means there is a demon trying to come through to this side and he says if it spells zeus z-e-u-s get the heck out of there now that's also an ancient greek god isn't it yeah the I god of lightning is. on the, yeah. is the uh, mount olympus yeah but he says if it's zeus it's uh but listen you know come on <laughs> you know it's it's halloween the you know the demon could be wearing a, a costume could be pretending <laughs> to be a demon he could be wearing I, a bed sheet or something like that right yeah. and not really a demon you know <laughs> i believe that when you open these doors and i suggest you not open these doors because it might be good and it might be bad and that's just as simple as it gets anyhow let's move on to your feature because i'm excited to hear about some of your uh creepy content here this week okay great. uh here's here's the headline strange sightings in rural Coffee County. What's this about? Okay, so Coffee County, Alabama. Uh, we've been hearing reports in the area, ATV riders going through the bush, um, just hearing distinct sounds, unusual animals in the tree line, uh, loud shrieks. I, I got a little bit of the report. I'll, I'll just play that right here. Okay. Let me just say this. Something's going on in the woods. Something's going on. That's right. Timbuktu. And you know, of all the millions of sightings and reports... We get a lot of feedback from the uh, the ATV riders, and one of those recent feedbacks over the last 21, 30 days has been, hey, there's something strange. There's some knocking going on. We hear some screeches. They're not dogs. They're not coyotes. What could it be, right? When, when you dismiss all the erroneous possibilities, it there's little left except some kind of bipedal humanoid ape. So they're they're saying uh, in this coffee county in Alabama they've been they've, it's it's been going on it's really been kind of centered over the last month there's been a real real compact um, uh, you know cases of sightings and hearing things and it's it's believed to either be Bigfoot or um, skunk ape which was something that I learned from this that it's kind of like apparently they really smell 
and mm-hmm. there's this horrible smell that people are uh, smelling in the area. They've never smelt it before, mm-hmm. and the skunk ape, it's kind of like a swamp Bigfoot in the areas around Alabama, yeah. Georgia, Florida. Are you, are you aware of the, the skunk ape? I am. You know what? Yes, because I, as growing up as a kid, I had a real fascination with Bigfoot. I think skunk ape is just Bigfoot, but they call it that in different areas. You know, okay. in different areas, they call it different things. My guess, just on what I heard now, Cam, and you're, mm-hmm. the, you're the creepy expert, right? You're <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, you're oh, the Cam's yeah. creepy corner yeah. guy. I don't want to take anything away from you. My guess, based on what I just heard, is it's probably a goat sucker. <laughs> yes chupacabra yeah, that's chupacabra. what i'm thinking it's a chupacabra <laughs> uh, again uh, a, a weird animal with two names chupacabra or uh goat sucker now i i could post this on the twitter and you can see all this information on my twitter page uh, at creepy corner cam at creepy corner cam give me a follow uh on there as well uh but th- you, there was some really interesting uh video that was taken i don't know this must have been 10 years ago about a chupacabra do- running down the road i think it was in new mexico do you remember that um, there have been many reports. Yeah. I don't remember that one specifically, but yeah, there have been many. Okay, if I find it, I'll, I'll post it on, okay, on my Twitter do page. It. And and by the way, if they have a hard time finding your Twitter, uh, and by the way, you're almost at 100 followers. I am very oh. impressed. So please follow Cam uh, on Twitter and uh, get ready for the uh, creepy segment every Wednesday. But I also uh, retweeted Cam today on my Hal Anderson feed on Twitter, uh, if you want to, if that's easier to find it. All right, next uh, segment here, next part of your segment. Woman shocked to discover two long needles embedded in her brain. What? This is this is crazy. Um, so there's this 29-year-old woman. She's from China. Uh, she gets into this minor car accident. No big deal. Nothing wrong. So, But the doctor says, just to be safe, make sure everything's okay, we're going to get you to go through a CT scan. Um, when they go through the CT scan, they find these two large, and, you've, and you can look on the picture, two large metallic needles completely embedded in her brain. No damage at all to her head. No scars. No, no, you know, like any damage to the skull. Nothing on the skull. No recollection of anything happening. Uh, but they find these two giant metallic needles that somebody or something must have stuck in her head. Hmm. And, and just trying to get to the picture right now. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of these people that they say they have uh, uh, implants, you know, that they, mm. they say they were abducted by UFOs and they have these implants. And then yes. when somebody tries to remove them, they move. Yes. So I, I, I'm not sure that that's what, but they're. She's, no, I understand yeah, it's not she, the same thing, but it, it reminds yeah. me of that. So she has no idea how these things, these long needles, ended up embedded in her brain. Absolutely no recollection of That's how it could crazy. possibly. And there's 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 absolutely nothing around it. And they're so thin that it didn't cause any damage to her brain, luckily. Um, but she has no recollection of how this happened. The doctors believe it must have happened when she was very young, when her mm. skull was still soft, very, very a newborn, uh, because there's absolutely no trace of it on her skull or any sort of damage. They just had these... T- Two long needles. They have no idea what hmm. what put it in there, but just a really weird story. Yeah. Creepy. You were yeah. living up to your name today, I'm telling yeah. you. And uh, here's another one. Final uh, part here with Cam. Demonic possession expert isn't trying to convince you. What's this one? Okay, so this is this guy, Doctor Richard Gallagher. He's an author. He's also a, he's a doctorate. I've he's, heard of him. He's a very educated guy. Uh, he's been doing the media circuit just recently. His new book, uh, Demonic Foes. It's actually I think just got released yesterday. Demonic Foes. My f- twenty five years as a psychiatrist investigating possessions, diabolic attacks, and the paranormal. 
Um, and so this book uh, just coming out, um, he started off as a, sort of just give him some background, started off as a skeptic. Then he gets called to this uh, possible exorcism by a Catholic priest. This Catholic priest um, uh, wants him just to give him, you know, it, it's kind of like the like the exorcist. I mean, of course, you've seen that movie before, yep. um, but it's kind of like that sort of situation. They want they want this woman to be uh, because examined. often when because often when people are displaying these behaviors, yes. You, you maybe eventually you go to hey I wonder if it's you know a case of possession but often you'll think maybe it's mental ill you don't you don't know what it is psychosis right so this, right. So this is a an actual doctor did you say a psychiatrist or psychologist yes. yeah psychiatrist and, and so right. and, um, yeah and so he goes and he gets called in of course goes into this thing complete skeptic thinks it's you know I'm going to find out that this woman she's got serious mental problems um, but he saw her, her behavior and it defied logic. Um, he was immediately able to tell everybody in the she this this woman was able to tell everybody in the room their 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 secret weakness immediately. Um, uh, she knew how individuals around her died. Even his own mother, his mother died of cancer. She she knew his, her name. She knew how she died. Uh, she was able to speak multiple languages, um, including Latin. Um, she would go in and out of these trances, um, and it was he he went through all of his practice. And over his study, he found that she was not under psychosis. This woman was not mentally disturbed. Um, and this was sort of this encounter that kind of changed his mind. And it's not just a Catholic priest thing. He's been he's dealt with ministers. He's dealt with Catholic priests. He's dealt with rabbis. He's dealt with imams. Um, and he's sort of in this in this book. It kind of goes into this. And I, I won't I couldn't read this book. It would be too much for me. But uh, uh, <laughs> maybe something if you want to read something spooky over over Halloween here. But yeah. uh, he said he's been present at, at scores of exorcisms. Um, some of the other highlights professional claimed her spiritualist mother had assigned her a spirit who had turned on her um, witnessing a woman that he said was 90 pounds soaking wet throwing a, a 200-pound Lutheran deacon across the room in front of onlookers. Uh, this woman, Julia, so-called satanic queen, self-described witch, um, going through like this once-in-a-century possession. She's telling everybody in the room everything about them. And Yeah, uh, see, that would freak me out. Like yes. you could, you could as, as Tristan said earlier, you know, he sort of tries to find a reasonable explanation yeah. when something weird happens. You could sort of say, well, you know, maybe she's exceptionally strong. <laughs> throwing, yeah, you know, my, yeah, exactly. my granny didn't weigh 100 yes. pounds, and she could have thrown me across the room. So that that's possible. You sort of go, yeah, well. But then when they start looking you in the face and telling you stuff that they should not know. Yes, Right. And I mean, yeah. it's not like they were, you know, necessarily Googling the information or anything that that would mm -hmm. freak me out. See, wow. and, and this yeah, and this is the stuff that I really buy yeah. into. Like, um, yeah. I believe that there's things out or there. It's that certainly we, possible. Yes, exactly. I think there's right. things out there we don't understand. Energies, yep. fields. I'm not sure what it is, yeah. but there's good and there's bad. And I totally believe in that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I'm open to it. Anyway. Uh, yes, and, very and, open. And now that every one of our listeners think you and I are nuts, <laughs> uh, we'll, move, we'll move on. Cam's Creepy Corner, I love it. We're going to do it again next Wednesday right after the 2.30 news. Before we uh, break for the weather here, let me just read a couple of quick text messages that have come in here. Hal, uh, I've told you about my experiences in the past about growing up in a haunted house. Nobody should mess with Ouija boards or tarot cards. No good will come from that. And then Mike in Manitoba says, Hal, whatever the word is, this is before I said what the word was, which is Zeus. Uh, Mike says, Hal, whatever the word is, make sure people, make sure to tell people to end their session on goodbye or else. So I guess you say goodbye, done with you, Ouija board. But I would suggest just stay the heck away from the damn thing. 
chatting right now with Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade. The uh, throne speech came down, Brittany, and, and just in listening to TFJ's news and reading a bit during breaks here, um, quite a bit in the throne speech, you know, when it comes to education and, and social assistance. You you could almost forgive Premier Pallister and the governing Tories for saying, ah, it's the middle of a pandemic, we're, you know, carrying on, but they did talk about some significant changes or possible changes. Yeah, and I don't think any of this really took a lot of people by significant surprise. I mean, one of the biggest things we are looking at is a complete overhaul to our education system. That's something we've known has been coming for a while. There's been a report uh, that we are anticipating being able to see soon. But Premier Brian Pallister spoke a little bit about that today, um, saying, you know, it's going to take a lot of work. He calls this an ambitious overhaul that hasn't been seen since probably the 1960s of our education system. And, you know, the Premier says to too much money is being spent at the top of the education system. And we heard this a lot when they did the health care overhaul as, as well. And he says those resources really need to be moving to the front line because that's where they're going to be the most useful. So while we don't have a ton of details about what reform is actually coming, because that will come in the coming weeks, um, we are getting little tidbits. So the province has said um, it's going to be called the Better Education Strategy today or BEST. And what it's really going to look at is transforming the education system to make it modern, responsive. Uh, it's really going to be more classroom focused and student centered, parent friendly, uh, something that we haven't really seen. And, and the premier said, you know, it's really critical because um, he said we're failing our kids. We're ranked 10th out of 10 in every major category of comparative analysis when it comes to education. So it's an overhaul that has been, we know it has been long coming, uh, and we've been waiting to see that report. It was previously going to be uh, released you know, in the spring, and then obviously COVID-19 hit, and they didn't want to release it at the beginning of that pandemic. But he says, you know, now things have to come out. We can't withhold everything because who knows when, COVID's going to go away and we need to start making making those plans as well. So education is really one of the biggest areas uh, that was touched on today in, in today's throne speech. Yeah, just my opinion, but getting rid of some of those big six-figure salaries uh, in the uh, in the education system uh, is, I think, a good idea. What, what did the what did the premier and his government essentially wasn't him, but in the throne speech, what did they say about COVID nineteen, the pandemic? Yeah, they said it's something that we know uh, people have been struggling with over these past few months. He started, uh, we had an embargoed uh, conversation with the the Premier at a news conference uh, before that throne speech was read. And he said, you know, you really want to thank healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, first responders, personal care home staff. They know this has been a really challenging time. Um, And he was also, you know, grilled a little bit on the fact that for weeks now, we've been seeing those long COVID testing lines. We've been seeing those long wait times. So people want to see that commitment from the province that that is going to change. And so he says, you know, that that is changing. They are looking at it right now, which we've heard from Health Minister Cameron Friesen before, but they are looking at more resources for that as well. Some new testing sites have been announced. He says there will be more of those. They are looking at those bottleneck situations as well. Um, and they're doing a, a review of that system right now as well, because, I mean, how you hear it from your from your listeners day in, day out, we get emails, we get calls to our newsroom every single day from people saying, you know, it's taken me five days for my result, or I got turned away from three and four different testing sites today um, because they were full by 930. And that's something we've been hearing for weeks now. So that was really the big takeaway um, from that is that we are going to be seeing changes. There is going to be more money going into healthcare as well. Um, 
and that's going to be, uh, they renewed their commitment um, to putting more money there. All right, Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade. Brittany, thank you very much. More from her on this story as we go along here this afternoon and, of course, also on Global News Television tonight at 6 o'clock. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.